The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. You're listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Are you ready to move from your good life to one that is amazing? Then you've tuned in to the right program. For the next hour, listen in as Reverend Temple Hayes, Senior Minister of First Unity Campus in St. Petersburg, Florida, shares with you the tools you can use to transform your life. She will guide you on a journey to create a life that is amazing. Now, here's your host, Reverend Temple Hayes. Welcome, everyone, and thanks for joining us. It's my pleasure today to have as a featured guest with me on From Good to Amazing, Dr. Lori Desitels. And Lori is so much more than an educator. She is an author of the book, Revelations and Education, How May I Serve You? And Lori's passion is truly designed to change the paradigm in which teachers teach throughout the world, not only what they teach, but what they model. Lori, thank you for being with us. It's such a pleasure to have you here on our show today. Temple, thank you so much. I'm, I'm so looking forward to our dialogue and, um, you know, just kind of delving into these, um, I think, dire, important social and emotional topics when it comes to our children and our educators and parents. Well, one of the things that I think is so significant about you, and and I, I see this, that it will continue to happen with so many educators and so many leaders and role models in our society, is more than us focusing on, am I doing the paradigm in the right way, but looking at how we can really model what it is that we say, and who we are in our being. In other words, right now I'm entering the time where most ministers throughout the country only want to talk about how busy they are because of this time of year, when really it ought to be the opposite. Because of this time of year, I am exemplifying and and modeling to others calmness, presence, energy, vitality, joy, because I'm celebrating the birth of the Christ within, right? (laughs) And I love that about the work that you're doing because you're not just getting through the day as a teacher. You're looking at why do we teach the way that we do? Um, What is it that we're saying that beyond the words that we use, understanding that teachers are remembered the rest of their lives in in a person's mind, either good, bad, or indifferent. So I wanted to acknowledge you for that because that's huge in the modeling that you're doing for others. Yeah, I, I appreciate that, and I appreciate your recogni- recognition of that. And as I, I think every semester, every year, um, whether I'm teaching graduate students or undergraduate or in the elementary and middle school, 
it becomes more clear how important and how significant relationships are. And as trite as that sounds, I, I, I reflected with my second-year inner-city teachers just a week ago. And, again, we went back to, they went back to the, just the power of relationship in the classroom. And, um, you know, and, and what does that mean? Because that's, that's very broad, you know, broad-stroked when I say relationship. But one of the things that I have learned and I continue to learn is that to be and to hold a compassionate presence inside our schools, we have to be self-compassionate. And it was so interesting, Temple, this year. I was in two of our inner-city Indianapolis schools, and um, and what I noticed, what I saw is that there was so much change, and there was, there was so much, um, th- these were very troubled environments. They were changing environments. And in moments, many of these first-year teachers were almost mirroring the hopelessness um, that many of their students were experiencing. And, and the interesting part of this is that when we think about education and, and to, you know, to the purpose of education is to live outside the walls of school, what we know now, and this is so exciting, is that through the research of neuroscience, we know that when a child is feeling stressed and when a child is, is, is troubled, that literally the brain, the part of the brain that is responsible for higher level thought processes shuts down. And children and all of us move into that fight, flight, and freeze response. And so it's really interesting how we, on one hand, are pushing for these higher test scores and being, you know, competitive, which, as I've said in so many of my talks, we need to be literate. I'm not negating that. But we also cannot neglect these, these very functional and, and very important emotional and social skills of not only our students but of our teachers, and that's something that um, has come to the forefront of my mind this past semester. It's so important in what you're saying and that, you know, teachers understand there's a big difference between doing things right and doing the right things. And mm-hmm. there's such a, a distinction between those two realities. Um, mm-hmm. I love that idea when uh, as someone said, it's probably anonymous because, you know, often the most amazing things stated, the people mm-hmm. don't want credit for. But maybe it was from um, the creator of Peanuts, Charles Schultz. But he said that, you know, in your life, Many of us aren't going to remember who the third winner was of American Idol. I'm paraphrasing. And we're not going to remember who was the Miss America, you know, of 1995, unless we knew her personally. And we're not going to remember who won the Academy Award four times in a row. But we are going to remember the names of our teachers and what grade we were in. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and, you know, it, it's, when, when I hear you say those words, it is, it is vital. And, and when I use that, it's vital in how we speak to our students, our presence with our students, sitting beside our students. In fact, when I was speaking 
just a few weeks ago, I was I was talking about looking at the word assess because we're all about assessment right now inside of our schools and the new international schools. Or I'm sorry, the test just came out and and you know we're looking at where the United States is ranked and and so you know going back to what you said, what will we remember? But truly, the Latin root you know of assess means to sit beside. Mm-hmm. And and I I think that to sit beside our students is not only our responsibility but our honor. And when you sit beside one another, there's equity in the relationship, and then there's the ability to be very authentic and to share stories that will possibly ignite just or trigger some type of strength, some type of passion, some type of interest that we wouldn't necessarily see if we weren't sitting beside our students um, and and really taking a look at that holistic landscape, um, looking at mind, body, and spirit. And when I talk about spirit in the classroom, sometimes people get a little uncomfortable. Um, but I think that, you know, even the call to teach is a spiritual calling. So when we when we think about the role and the responsibilities you know, of educators, and then we look at these beautiful souls, these children that come to us. Um, I think, Temple, you said to me um, a few months ago, you had heard or, or maybe it was something that somewhere you had said children come in with question marks and leave school with periods, and, and that has resonated with me, and I've really reflected on that this past semester and, and last spring. Well, it is so. It is so powerful because um, you know, children education. Originally, the idea was to draw out of what's already there, lying dormant within that individual's mind and heart, and it's so much more than just telling someone what to think or, you know, all the other trappings of what individuals can get caught up in. Uh, the assertiveness, the acknowledgement, the honoring the children um, is so key for them to fully develop and be comfortable with who they are and to have that self-esteem and to be, you know, healthy-minded and have that caring. And so much of our ability to do that, as you talk about compassionate presence and compassionate uh, leadership, is like you have said before, and in various writings, it's essential that people as teachers and educators model that they're real and that every now and then along life's journey that they will throw into their teachings a personal story about themselves, things they've walked through, moments they've had, so that that human connection is made in a very deep and spiritual level. Oh, absolutely. And one of my mentors um, said to me and actually wrote to me this past week, and I I think this is profound. Um, He said, Lori, what kids believe about themselves is more important in determining their behavior than any other fact about them. And I really have sat with this, and I've thought about it for today's interview. And when I, when I look at my own children, I'm a, I'm a mother of three and, and have been a teacher for more years than I want to even mention, um, you know, I think that the, this, this, what, what uh, Dr. Martin Seligman from Positive Psychology says is that what is your self-expression? 
explanatory style in the world. You know, how do you define yourself? And when we think about um, moving from good to amazing, as your show um, is all about, I think that we want, you know, we want our children to feel, and I emphasize the word feel, we want them to feel capable. We want them to feel worthy and successful. And when we delve into how they believe about themselves, those behaviors that we see that look very negative, um, and I've heard those termed pain-based behaviors. So those pain-based behaviors um, are just the icing on the cake. And, I, again, I think it's we can maybe talk later on in the hour about some specific things that parents and educators can do, um, you know, when they look at those behaviors. But... And, and how we can kind of like reappraise and kind of refute that faulty thinking, but um, it's it's just so important, you know, looking at this social and emotional piece, and um, and then and then looking at some ways. And I want to say not so much doing, but ways of being with our children in the classroom and in our homes. You know, we had no idea when we scheduled today's time um, how it was going to unravel before us as of last week in Sandy Hook Elementary School in Newton, Connecticut, a time and a moment that in our history that none of us will ever forget and hopefully will do more than just respond or react, but will make decisions to do various types of sacred activism to make decisions that that would be the last time because so many of us as a thinking, caring, and spiritual community and communities have made decisive responses that we won't find ourselves here again. Uh, what a tragic thing for for our world and for this time and good must come from it absolutely temple and i um as you said we when we scheduled this interview today um it you know was well before this occurrence on friday and it, I don't have any words, and I feel as if any words that I would say would feel trite. Um, you know, they would feel, they would not feel very meaningful. Um, one of, I think, I think we all, and I think every everyone in this country, possibly around the world, or those that have had access to this um, continual story, I think we all have keyed in to the empathy that we have felt. Um, there has been, I think, a, a real collective, empathic um, 72 hours of um, being with these parents, these teachers, these families, um, Adam Lanza, his family, all, all of the above. Um, and I, I, this, this empathy that we all are experiencing, and I think you know, we all experience it in different ways, is just really very, very significant, I believe, in how we will come to solutions and how we'll begin to dialogue about um, all the issues that this very, very complex and tragic situation has um, invoked in all of us. So I, I, I agree I with you. In our home, I know in homes across America, I think there has been just a tremendous amount of self-reflection 
and you know what, Temple, this is, and this is just incredible because the more aware we are of our feelings and thoughts, the more we can read others. And I think that's key in, look, in, 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 looking, at this, in looking at this event um, at Sandy Hook. Um, it's just, it's really, really going to be very important for us to be very awake and to be very conscious of our feelings and thoughts and um, prioritizing and shifting perspectives and really being with one another as we all walk through this um, very, very difficult time. That's very well said, and I. That's so true. What you're saying in the healing realm, as mm-hmm. and in the capacity of being compassionate uh, to another human being, that to yeah, the level I, you understand and process your own feelings and thoughts is to the mm-hmm. level that you can relate to another person and connect on that deep level of awareness. And we're just affirming together that, you know, great things are going to come from this as time evolves. Right now, everyone is self-reflecting. People are in places of grieving and mourning. Uh, Uh, It's so evident and so apparent, too, of, again, the value of the part that teachers play uh, in a child's life uh, to the level of a teacher giving her life uh, to save her children of of taking those uh, shots, as well as the teacher that could think out of the box and hide those students in a closet. I mean, it's a huge calling to serve a community of children. And it needs to start being treated accordingly. I'm Temple Hayes, and you are listening today with From Good to Amazing with our wonderful guest, Dr. Lori Desitels. You may go to her website, revelationandeducation.com, revelationandeducation.com. We will be right back following this short break. If you've been inspired by the programming on Unity Online Radio, we hope you'll give your support so others may be inspired too. This online radio network depends on the love offerings of listeners to continue operating and expand its outreach. Please visit www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. Thank you. Now and then, life is challenging. I may not welcome challenge itself, but I welcome the opportunity to learn from whatever arises, to grow in understanding, to flex my spiritual muscles. Every day is a new day, a fresh start. No situation or circumstance can hold me back. My life is not only about what's happening to me, it's also what's happening through me. The Christ within is my source of unlimited wisdom and creativity. I do my best when I respond to any challenge from my Christ nature, rather than reacting impulsively from my human nature. Every day I pursue what enriches me, enjoying the journey to my goals as much as the destination. This inspirational message is brought to you by Daily Word. 
daily word, inspiration, and practical teachings to help people of all faiths live healthy, prosperous, and meaningful lives. Give daily word to yourself or friend and give the gift of hope, joy, peace, and encouragement. Order your subscriptions today online at dailyword.com. When you truly understand the laws of the universe and live a life based on these profound and unwavering truths, then your dream life starts today. No more waiting, no more wandering. If you're ready to let go of the striving and move into the allowing, you are ready for everyday attraction on Unity Online Radio. We study the teaching of Abraham given to us by beautiful Esther Hicks so we can release confusion for clarity, exchange struggle for serenity, and have the time of our lives today. Join host Ray Zander every Friday at noon Central Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, on Unity Online Radio for Everyday Attraction, where the law of attraction gets real. Thank you for tuning in for From Good to Amazing with Reverend Temple Hayes. If you have a question or comment about today's discussion, you can email us at amazing at unity.fm. Now, here's your host, Reverend Temple Hayes. And welcome, everyone. And if you are enjoying this conversation today, not only can you visit Lori Desitel's website, Revelation in Education, but you can... Go to templehays.org or to unitycampus.org where we offer tools in which empower and lift people to become more awake and more aware in their daily lives. But practical applications, that is the key in which your mind and heart can be more open. Also, I would like to take this opportunity to thank all of you for your continuous donations to Unity Online Radio, the voice of the awakening world. Lori, it's always so great to hear how you talk about serving others through teaching and the role, the valuable role as a teacher. And I was reading some of your writings, and there was an article where you said that on one Friday afternoon, an unemployed 20-year-old posted a message on YouTube simply offering to be there for anyone who needed to talk, to be there for anyone. Mm-hmm. And as he would go on to say on the video, I never met you, but I do care. By the end of the weekend, he had received more than 5,000 calls and text messages from strangers taking him up on his offer. Now, isn't this interesting that we have more means of communication, quote unquote, than we've ever had in our lives? But there's such a deep need for people to feel valued and appreciated and to be seen um, in today's times, isn't there? Mm-hmm. It's really interesting, and I think, um, I think it's a huge paradox. Um, and this actually was, this, this what you just read, was um, retold by Dr. Howard Cutler, um, who's a uh, psychiatrist that wrote with the Dalai Lama, The Art of Happiness. And... Um, you know, what I want to share about this that I found very fascinating is that in our world's history, we've never been more connected 
through social media, which on the other side of that coin, we've never been more disconnected um, either. And our children and adolescents, my own two teenage daughters, tell me, Mom, it is so difficult to be a teenager today. Mom, you don't, you just, you have no idea. You have no idea what it's like. And when I look at the research and I look at this connection piece, being emotionally connected to one another, our children and adolescents are receiving and sending off, on the average, over 300 text messages a day. And this is more than multitasking. Um, when When any of us receive... When we hear that sound that rings an email, a text, um, you know, anything, we feel compelled to respond. And, um, you know, we're in the most populous and also most diverse times. So when I, when I pulled this <clears throat> little paragraph up and I looked at the response this young man received, 5,000 calls, um, it really does speak to this need for a relational presence, for... I I don't think there's anything more important in any of our lives than not only feeling loved, Temple, but feeling understood. Because I think misunderstanding feels to be the impetus for so much conflict, Um, whether it's within ourselves, whether it's with one other person or a group, or I'm going to even go huge and say global conflict. Mm-hmm. I feel that misunderstandings um, are very powerful. And, you know, we are relational people, and yet we are evolutionary people who had to use those skills, for instance, that fight and flight, and we lived inside that limbic system of our brain because our brains were wired to survive. But the, the paradox there is that our brains are also wired to be very empathic. And, um, and now this neuroscience is actually showing all of us as educators the areas of the brain that are activated, where the metabolism takes place when children and adolescents or when any of us are feeling emotionally connected to one another, which is what this desire was from this um, paragraph that you, that you read about the young man. And when your daughters are alluding to the complexity of being a teenager now, are they talking about because we're we're into texting and and Facebook and you know oh I had chicken and broccoli for dinner like someone cares you know that mm-hmm. kind of realm but it's 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 not the depth are they talking logistics are they talking how you're supposed to be on all the time by being accessible through communication, or is it a little bit of all of that? I think it's all of that. And one of the things, as you were asking me that question, and I was going back to my conversations with them and with many of the students that, you know, that I'm with in the schools, and I think there is such, you know, in adolescence between the ages of 12 and 18, and, and sometimes a little earlier, sometimes a little later, there is such an urgency and an unspoken motto that is about you can say or do anything to me, but do not call me out. And, um, you know, I, I want to fit in. I need to fit in. This is my role. I don't want, you know, and that's why so many students would rather look misbehaved in front of their peers and teachers than look stupid. 
Mm-hmm. So, and, and this is backed by research. So going back to that question, I think that when you look at the overall developmental stages of adolescence and we look at, um, and this is, you know, upper elementary, middle school through high school, so when you look at the developmental stages and what the priorities are for our adolescents, um, we have to look at the complexity of, you know, wanting to fit in, not wanting to be called out, which is, you know, something that we talk to our teachers about um, because we're not negating discipline. We're not talking about that, but we're just talking about a very gentle way of being with that student and, and respecting, um, you know, their developmental level. But we're also talking about a very complex time in how our children are relating to one another because now we can, you know, they, they're on Instagram constantly and, and they're being affirmed or they're being challenged or they're being judged in multiple ways through social media. So it's not just on the telephone anymore or, you know, um, face-to-face. And sometimes we have a lot more courage behind a screen than we do face-to-face um, where conflicts arise. And, and you know what, Temple, that's part of our evolution too because, you know, we, we are also wired um, for that survival instinct. And so we, in the hunter-gatherer times, we developed those we groups. So there was the we group and the us group and you group and I group. And, and you know, there were, there were certain, you know, our brain was wired to be able to fit in to our um, tribal group. And, and so those types of things are happening today. That's our neurobiology. Uh, that's part of it. So we have to be very respectful when we look, and especially if those types of things are being modeled in a home and an environment where there's a lot of conflict or, or conflict management is dealt with through being very reactive rather than being very reflective. I hope that makes sense. Oh, it totally makes sense, of course, because you said it, and you know exactly. You've studied this all your life, and it's just definitely your time for to get this message more and more out in the world. And any small or minute way I can be part of that, I'm really honored to do so. Well, one of the things that they are talking about now in reference to what you're saying with that inner development and that... Uh, individual uh, knowing uh, that wellspring of joy and love and stability inside comes from the practice of, of meditation. Mm-hmm. Where where are we as a society as far as understanding? You know how powerful how powerful that is to offer well, students. Well, it's it's absolutely amazing me, um, and that I I. Uh, the research that is supporting meditation throughout the world, in businesses, in um, schools, is growing exponentially. Dr. Richie Davison has done extensive studies, and I, I'd like to share one of his studies um, from 2004 um, where he looked at the benefits of meditation. And, and again, there are many, many kinds of meditation, and again, that word in the Western part of the world, it doesn't feel so comfortable to some people, but I want to clarify, Temple, what, what that means today. Um, it's really important for us to understand what meditation is and how it affects the mind because what we now know today is that the mental activities and experiences that we embrace, that we are, that we are intimately a part of, structurally and functionally change and sculpt the brain. 
And so when I went, this is, this is just huge, fabulous news for parents, teachers, and for all of us. So when we look at meditation, what meditation, no matter what kind of meditation you're talking about, is really focused attention. And when we look at the wiring of our brains, because I look at the brain as the car, and I look at the mind as the engine of the car, and so the engine and the driver of the car. So when we look at the ability to focus our attention and to clear away those thoughts that plague us, because research shows we have circling in those heads of ours 60 to 90,000 thoughts a day, and then the following day we have 90% of those 60 to 90,000 thoughts. So we really have these monkey minds of thoughts that can really interfere with attention. And what we know now in education is that to learn, not only do we need to make emotional connections, but we cannot learn content. We cannot learn the common core standards unless a child is attentive. So the benefits are huge. We look at clarity of thought as a huge benefit. There is an increase in gray matter in the insula, which is the part of our brain inside the temporal lobe that emotionally helps with a regulation. It integrates, um, you know, our kind of thinking and feeling, and it helps us to be empathic. So we also have, um, for those of us who are middle age, we also have there's a reduction in cortical thinning due to aging. So we're really beefing and buffing up. And also for all children and adolescents, we're making these new neural pathways in the brain. Um, And this is just huge for learning. There is a strengthened immune system, and there's a decrease in the hormone called cortisol, which can be, when it's elevated and chronically elevated, it's damaging to our cellular structure. And that is something we need to pay attention to. So all of these, this meditation, oh, this is, I have to share this. This is so wonderful. Also what happens is when we're meditating and we're, and we're taking these brain breaks, which we call them in the classroom, or we're focusing attention, we also see some lighting up, some igniting of the left hemisphere. And this region in the left prefrontal cortex is the seat of our positive emotion. And this is where we see compassion and empathy levels rise. So I could just do a whole three shows on just that aspect. But it's very, very exciting to see how meditation is growing and and how literally for one minute, a couple times a day, two minutes a couple times a day, as educators we can place this into our classroom. We spend that much time just with a bell ringer or a do now or redirecting our class. And the response has been incredible. So if any of your listeners are interested in the research, I can send that to you, Temple, because there's just so much of it. Yeah, and I think it's very important. And um, for those of you that are part of our audience today, please feel free to write us amazing at uh, unity.fm or to contact Lori directly. Her information yeah. is on um, unity.fm and on the program archives in my name. Or also, Lori, give your email. Yes, absolutely. It's L Desitel at Marion, M-A-R-I-A-N, 
And my last name, maybe I should spell it Temple. It's D-E-S as in Sam, A-U-T as in Tom, E-L-S as in Sam. And we would love to get this information out to you because it's part of our passion to spread this. I would love for everyone to have that. We want to spread this message to everyone uh, near, far, and abroad. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Well, one of the things I was um, reading in your blog is a when you sit down mid-year and you write various reflections. Mm -hmm. How am I doing as a teacher? Was I present? Am I present? Did I stop and feel it all through meetings, the classes, the panels of debaters, the elections, the presentations, projects, and tests? Did I move within to listen deeply to that student I might have misunderstood? Did I read the stories in my colleagues' eyes to know their beginnings and endings? Will I truly remember that the heart of the world lives within and inside one child, one adolescent, one student I touch? That the real heart of the matter is, did I make a difference? That is so powerful. Thank you. And how you I, have connected. I, I, I really appreciate you sharing that because when I asked my teachers to be very self-reflective, and again, these are my graduate students who are first and second year teachers um, in Indianapolis schools. When I asked them to be self-reflective, it was over Thanksgiving break, and I was waking up early and, and, and just felt this urge. I felt an unease, a restlessness. And I finally, after just thinking and, and actually doing a little bit of meditating myself, I realized that I needed to walk the walk with my teachers. So Thanksgiving weekend, I spent time creating those questions and really delving in to my presence with my students this semester. Um, it was... It was um, it, it was very very good for me. It grew me professionally and personally, and um, I shared those questions with them because modeling is you know when we teach what we need to learn as research backs this up, there is an incredible ninety four percent retention rate over a twenty four hour period, but. That's just a little icing right there because these self-reflective practices, research states, separate good teachers from superior teachers. And um, I think when we look at those students that pulled our triggers, that pushed our hot buttons, um, we really need to look at what was it about us, what was it about me, what, you know, what, was, what was fearful, what felt challenging, and how could I respond in a different way, um, or how could I have responded? And I think it's very, very helpful to move within um, as we um, integrate these, what I call these, those non-cognitive social and emotional skills um, with, our, with our children. And when I say children, you know, my students happen to be between the ages of the semester of 18 and 25 and even a few years older um, in the graduate program. I love the way that you are stating that it's both and, and it's so important um, for any of us that are modeling in the public sectors that not only am we are we here to teach, but we are here to be taught to. 
and it has that both-and model. Mm-hmm. I'm talking today with Lori Desitels, and we will be right back after this short break. John is looking for adventure. Mumbai is a must-see, and the night safari, that's one for the life list. Joe is seeking a little Eastern enlightenment. As the Buddha said, it is better to travel well than to arrive. Both find peace in daily meditation. Both Joe and John will find exactly what they're seeking on Spirit of the East, a 14-day voyage from Singapore to Mumbai. And so will you. Join us April 17th through May 1st, 2013. Spirit of the East, a perfect blend of relaxation and adventure. Explore more at unity.org slash spiritoftheeast. Reverend Paulette's mantra is, it's all a prayer. Tune in every Tuesday as Unity Minister Paulette Pipe leads you in meditation and prayer on touching the stillness. Make no mistake, this is not nap time. With an energy that will captivate you, touching the stillness will guide you in deep meditation, leaving you enlivened. Hear astounding meditations and learn more about different forms of meditation. Enrich your prayer life as Reverend Paulette, Senior Minister of Touching the Stillness Ministries, affirmatively prays with power and authority by taking live prayer requests from callers like you. Whether you have a prayer request for yourself or for a loved one or are ready for a deepened meditation experience, make sure you tune in on Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Central Time, where we'll be joining in consciousness with the unceasing prayer activity of the Silent Unity 24-7 Prayer Ministry at Unity Village. That's Touching the Stillness with Rev. Paulette Pipe every Tuesday right here on Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Letting go in the stillness. We now return to From Good to Amazing with your host, Reverend Temple Hayes. Thank you for being part of our audience today. We really appreciate all of you that continue to support our show and and share it with others on social media, especially the conversation that we are talking about today, one that the world needs um, more than ever before. With Dr. Lori Desitels, as we are talking about revelation and education, 
And you can go to Lori's website, which is just what I stated, Revelation in Education. You can learn more. You can participate. You can sign up to receive her blogs and know when she is speaking uh, in various parts of the country. Uh, Lori, we are looking at how we can create, with all that we know today and with all these statistics and figures and facts, there's part of us that we want to move people from, oh, yeah, I know, and I understand that, or I've heard that before, to actually applying it uh, to their classrooms, mm-hmm. starting here and starting now. In some of the work that you've been talking about, it's all about being that compassionate teacher and that presence for, for students to be seen and for them to feel heard and that someone really validates them. I know that I have been using for many years in teaching New Thought as a minister that the biggest role we can play in life is being a validatorian. In other words, holding the degree of the ability to validate every person that is in front of you regardless of where you are and what you're doing, but to validate who they are, to see them in their eyes, to say, I see you. Oh, you're not just a a cash register person at Publix or another grocery store, but you are a person that matters. And you're very important to a lot of people, though I may not know you right now. I'm sure that you're very important. We, It's making that connection. And I do that a lot of times in the evening as I reflect upon my day. And I'll look back and I go, did I represent increase of joy, love, compassion to the people that I passed? Or was mm-hmm. I so into myself that I missed the whole point, you know? Mm-hmm. No, exactly. No, it's... it's- I mean, it's a very important question, and and um, wow, I when I when I think about the the specifics, because um, you know we've done we've talked a lot in this hour about compassion and about you know raising that level of um, conscious positivity in our classrooms, but the reality is Temple that our teachers and parents too because the evenings are very short when children come home and there's hours of homework and extracurricular activities and you know dinner to be had and I mean it's just you know again it's just it's just this constant busyness so I wanted to talk specifically about a few things um, that you know I am using that I've learned um, and and some very reflective, mindful practices that we can use in our homes and use in our classrooms. And, you know, as I, as I reflect on what happened this past, the tragedy um, this past Friday, one of the things that I think will be helpful, and we talked earlier in the show about this collective empathy, um, you know, and how we all feel in such moments, in such devastating moments, we feel this collective um, togetherness. And one of the things that I wanted to share, I think it's very, very helpful. Um, I've been reading some of Dr. Rick Hansen's work, and he's written a book that's fabulous called The Buddha's Brain. And he takes his, he's a neuropsychologist, but he takes our, this, this compassionate piece 
and he shares the research in neuroscience and clinical neuroscience, um, psycho- you know, psychology and neuroscience, psychoneurology, and, and looks at, you know, what's happening. And so I wanted to share a few of these strategies today. You mentioned validation, and that's huge. Um, I, my mentor was here in Indiana doing a workshop, and one of the things that he stressed to teachers was the power of validation. Because when we validate someone, we say to them indirectly, indirectly, you are understood. You matter. I hear your feelings. I hear your thoughts, and I want to know more. And so by, by really sharing that, you're opening up and, and you're helping that child to open their heart and mind up to trust you. So when there's trust, then all kinds of perspectives broaden and, and, and the work begins. So I, I wanted to share that. Um, also, I find this fascinating. Um, we are so pulled in our world by negative experiences. And I've thought about this, and I've looked at the media, and I look at, you know, when I watch our news here and when you watch your news there, I feel as if there are ten negative stories to every one. And when you look at the research of, because there's been extensive research in looking at altruistic, um, you know, positive experiences versus negative, the positive far, far by thousands outweigh the negative. Dr. Howard Cutler um, talked about this research in The Art of Happiness. But there is a, Dr. Hansen talks about this negative bias in our brain, and it's in our wiring temple. And I think that's fascinating. Because, again, going back to our early years of evolution, you know, we went through our lives to survive. And we had to be alert and we had to be awake and conscious of, um, you know, the, the um, competition. And so what's interesting is that what happens in our brains is that the negative experiences, as Dr. Hansen talks about, act like an adhesive. But the positive experiences are like Teflon. They just slide on through. So I think one of the things we can do as teachers and as parents is to really pick out, demonstrate, show, and notice the strengths and the positive experiences of our children and adolescents. That's why I think gratitude journals are huge or just journals to use in the classroom Uh, because when we can really help our students to hone in on their strengths and, and at one positive experience, two positive experiences, it's just monumental in how that shifts even just a little bit some of that negative emotion moving into a positive direction. One of the things I wanted to share also today, right before our interview, I was just sitting and I was thinking, and I thought, wouldn't it be so fabulous if somehow, and I would love for a teacher or a parent to name it different, but I thought it, I thought of it today and I called it a personal growth plan. And I thought, wouldn't it just be so cool to track our children's, not so much behaviors, but their affect, to really look at their dispositions, to look at what triggers them, to look at what excites them, and keep that kind of as a running record to pass through the grade levels. Um, And even if you've got a class, let's say you teach seventh grade language arts, and you've got 140 students, and you're sitting here listening to this interview thinking, Lori, this is ridiculous. But what I'm saying is you pick what we call those fabulous five. You pick those five students who are teetering on the edge of, 
you know, success and, and feeling incapable. And, and you just, you track that. We're so into assessment right now. There's nothing more important than tracking those emotional um, and social skills of our children. So I think having something like this would just be so important um, to build upon strengths, to track their successes. But not only that, is to really look at their disposition because then we can notice, was there something that happened between second semester, third grade, and, and, and first semester, fourth grade, because this child is a different child. They pulled away from friends. They're not doing homework. You can see patterns as parents and as educators. We see patterns when we begin to track um, those social and emotional skills. And, and, and it's just it's hugely important. Well, Lori, how can we support you in getting these messages out in a much broader way? What are some of the things that we can do to help support you? Because your work has such significant answers to education for not only today but for tomorrow. What could that look like? How can we impact? And are you finding that once people have these ahas, I know in the many years of being a speaking coach, you know, once I can get the information to individuals, they go, wow, I never thought of it like that. Are you finding that kind of response in communities with educators once they get the information and the, mm-hmm. the, the science to back it? Are they open? I, I'm getting a mixed. I'm getting mixed responses. I think that change is difficult for all of us, and I think that um, this is this is different. You know, the way that we're approaching, and and so many teachers are doing these, and they're not. I mean, they're doing them, you know, in the most. Um, natural way. They're just, you know, they're, they're stepping inside the relationship. They're looking at students' dispositions. They're building on those social and emotional. They're t- they know the emotional connection to learning. But I also feel that it's, it's very difficult in this time when we're, the paradox is we're called, teachers are being evaluated like never before. They're, they're being evaluated based on student growth. And we have an over- packed curriculum like we've never had before. So for me to say sit back and reflect feels a little uncomfortable. Um, But the beauty of this is that when we emotionally engage and are reflective, we move within and we model that for our students, this is what's so wonderful is that the content is learned. And it's learned with such, um, it's learned for the long term and it's learned deeply. So embracing the mistakes, embrace teaching our children that it's okay to fail, that it's okay to make mistakes, that the mistakes that we make are our greatest learning tools. And, and really modeling this as a parent, as a teacher, I think those are ways we can really support one another. Um, and may I just add, I know we're almost out of time. I just wanted to say one more thing. And this Absolutely. is something that I'm learning every day. My oldest son reminds me constantly. Um, I think that listening is probably the most important skill that we can, we can um, embrace. And when I say that, Temple, we typically as humans, we listen to respond. I know I do. But I think when we listen to a child or to a colleague 
or to a partner or to, you know, whoever we are with, when we listen to understand and we listen to learn, we see these defense mechanisms move out of the way. And um, I, I just... I just feel that um, what happens not only to the defense mechanisms, but we open up perspectives, and then again, there's equity and there's power in in both um, in the relationship, and we feel freer to express ourselves. Oh, I love the way you put that. Well, Lori Desitels, what a pleasure always in talking with you, and I'm so grateful for what you're doing for education and being a difference maker. I want to remind everybody that you can go to Lori's website, Revelation in Education, and you can follow her that way and also find her email address as well. Thank all of you for your continuous support of From Good to Amazing, and thank you for being with us today. Lori, much success, and I'm looking forward to us um, doing many things together in the near future. I am too, Temple. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure, a true pleasure. Thank you, everyone, for bringing your energy and collective consciousness to this show as well. Thank you for tuning in to From Good to Amazing with Reverend Temple Hayes. Join us every Monday at 4 p.m. Central, 5 p.m. Eastern for more tools to move your life from good to amazing. This program is brought to you in part by Temple Hayes Ministries online at www.templehays.org and First Unity Campus in St. Petersburg, Florida. Online at www.unitycampus.org. Somewhere, tucked away in the Unity Library archives in Unity Village, Missouri, you can find a secret treasure. They are the scripts from Unity co-founder Charles Fillmore's early days on broadcast radio. The teachings of Unity's founders, almost a hundred years old. Now, for the first time in history, you can hear them through the power of the Internet. Join Bob Brock every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, For Unity Classic Radio, words from our past. Discover the wisdom of Charles Fillmore's talks and of other Unity Radio speakers read on the air again. Call in your comments and questions as Bob and his special guests revisit Unity Radio talks of the past, along with historical background from the early days of the Unity movement. That's Unity Classic Radio, words from our past, every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, Right here on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. Repeat the words, God is taking care of it, and it will become clear that you are the channel and that God is the doer of good works through you. This meditative moment, adapted from Mary Cupferly's God Will See You Through, is brought to you by Unity.
Do you experience the peace and joy promised by A Course in Miracles? Or are you still struggling to truly live your beliefs from moment to moment? Let Rev. Jennifer Hadley help you focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace, through practical application, by walking your talk. Experience the healing live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Central on A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Are you ready to ignite your best life and illuminate the world? I'm Stephanie James. I'm a motivational speaker, transformation coach, and psychotherapist. And what lights me up is helping people just like you create the greatest versions of themselves. On my podcast, Igniting the Spark, I will help you ignite your joy and reach new heights in your personal and professional life. Join me for some incredible conversations with authors, spiritual teachers, and other influential thought leaders to help guide you on your way. If you are ready to stop playing small, join me for Igniting the Spark on the mindbodyspirit.fm network or wherever you get your podcasts and ignite your best life.